0: Uh, welcome to the latest Love Sport Podcast. This is Paul, your host. I'll be joined by John and Pete, my co-hosts. And uh, Port Adelaide fans, unfortunately, you were certainly torn apart. This is the Love Sport Podcast. Pantheon of football, What do you, hierarchy, what do you think there, Pete?
1: Yeah, well, football's more than just a development tool for football itself. It is yeah. a brilliant sport which is recognized across the world as being the fastest in gro- uh fastest growing indoor sport in the world and you know realistically you can play futsal anywhere it doesn't have to be an indoor you know hard court surface you could be playing this on you know a basketball court a tennis court this could be even on a grass pitch playing five the side there are versions yeah. of the game that are so easily adaptable that you know the futsal version that we know and love being five side. It can be modified all the way down to a two v two, up to you know your your small sided versions of the game. It is so adaptable and is kind of the the linchpin that you know gets everyone aware of where where your technical base is, what skills you can develop. Um, learning to you know build your skills under a pressured environment, but yeah that pressure environment is still a safe and a supportive environment that if you fail, it's, there's the opportunity to learn and grow and and build upon that, which is huge. So this, the Futsal World Cup's on right
0: now, and I'm probably a little bit behind on it. So um, I think one of the reasons we were talking about it being such a great development tool, just having an example, um, Group A, and I'm probably not up to scratch at the moment, but Kazakhstan, would you consider them a
1: power of world football? Uh, well, to be fair, um, Kazakhstan's one of these like dark horses in the futsal world. They're seventh yeah. in the world, I believe. Um, they actually have a really fantastic development program across their squads. Um, they've been doing brilliantly so far this tournament. We saw a, an early 6-1 win over Costa Rica, uh, followed up by ga- uh, wins against um, uh, Lithuania. And then earlier on... T- Day, it was a win against Egypt, and Egypt mm. is again a really strong team in the futsal competition. So, you know, Kazakhstan's leading the way. We saw some brilliant examples of Solomon Islands. This is like futsal is their national sport yeah. in Solomon yeah. Islands, and they put on a brilliant tournament, a great display across all of their games. Um, credit to, you know, everyone involved in that. If anyone got to see, any of the highlights of their uh, 9-4 loss against Thailand, y- you were absolutely, truly blessed with the fact that, you know, we've got this Solomon Islands team who just play with such passion and pride and the fact that they know that every single kid back home is sitting there staring at their TV watching the game.
0: And then you've got that mix still of the the big powerhouses like the Spains, the Argentinas, um, the Brazils, um, that... See futsal as not just a pathway, but as a you know, a genuine sport as well. So, being football mad countries, they're doing really well. Um, So, you've got got that that mix
1: Argentina's 11 0 win over USA, like. That happened just last week, and you could see just the determination of Argentina that they wanted to continually score more. It, they didn't get yeah. to a point where they were like, oh, okay, this is it. Likewise, USA didn't give up at any point. Like, This is a team who were built upon hard work, determination, core values, and they they just wanted to grind at it. Um, you could see it on the um, Japan's uh, national team faces as well. Japan's had this really interesting tournament that they – had a fantastic game against the likes of Angola and then put up a huge battle against Spain. They caused so many problems for the Spanish national yeah. team as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, mate, while we're waiting for John, who knows what's going on there? We have to continue our podcast no matter what. Uh, rain, hail, shine or very strong winds. So it could have been blown away uh, on the Gold Coast. Mate, the EPL over the weekend, um, we were touch and go with some of our predictions there, but Watford... Thumping uh, Norwich away from home, I thought was a really big result for them. Uh,
1: yeah, exactly. I think that um, you know Watford—they're an interesting team. They're obviously um, a side who have had a um, an adventurous past with their <laughs> coaching staff. We'll say that uh, the fact that they've gone through more coaches than I think I've gone through t-shirts—it's um, it, an interesting one because. Obviously, getting themselves promoted, you, you kind of expect the Watford and the Norwiches to to struggle yep. at times, um, and credit to these teams that they haven't done what Fulham Hello. did a few years ago. And basically, hey, hey, just... John,
0: we've, we've got John online, mate. We've just spoken a little bit, John. Thank you for joining the podcast, mate. We thought you might have got blown away with the strong winds down on the Gold Coast tonight. I'm sorry, late.
2: I apologize for my tardiness and. Whatever you were saying about Fulham, Pete, I hardly agree.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we we were just touching on uh, Norwich and Watford, you know, playing football, you know, playing pretty good football. Um, Arsenal getting over Burnley, they needed to get that win. There was a lot of pressure on them.
1: Gosh, this is an uh, an ugly game, though. Um, Like It's... This is a sigh of relief from Arsenal fans everywhere. Going, we've got one 0 wins, and we'll happily take that. Now, Burnley didn't make things easy for them by any means. Like playing at turf more is always going to be a tough ass for anyone. Oh yeah, but yeah. Arsenal, jeez, th- th- they're not—they're uh, not making any friends the way that they're playing football at the moment. And Martin Ogun- uh, Odengaard is—is <laughs> doing what he can do. But it seems like, uh, you know, this is a whole team of, you know, rough stones and they're trying to find a diamond somewhere.
0: We had a uh,
1: one-all draw and this
0: really good timing. John coming in. uh, One-all draw, Leeds and Newcastle. And uh, we'll get John to speak more about this. But Leeds look like they were going to rip a hole in Newcastle. And this seems to be the trend with Leeds, that they, they fire all, you know, barrels very early on. And they dominated Newcastle. And then I thought Newcastle really came into it, not only held their own, but could have got away with a win themselves in the end. I thought it was a real... As a neutral, it was a fantastic game to watch.
2: Well, I'm pleased you enjoyed it. I
0: understand I, why you wouldn't.
2: <laughs> um, look, you know, um, I said from the start of the year that I was not worried about us scoring goals. I think I've maintained that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Even with um, Callum Wilson out. I mean, so Maximum is, is playing at a level that... You just know every other club, a big club in Europe, has got to be sniffing around. And I don't want him to go. I'm praying for this change of ownership to come through as sometime soon because, you know, I couldn't blame him if he goes somewhere else. I do hope we keep him. But yeah, look, I mean, Brucey has been able to circle the wagons when he needs to. But unfortunately, this time last season, we were winning these kind of games. Yeah,
0: Yep. Yeah.
2: And now we've got two points from, you know, the first. Quite a few engagements, and we we could have won this game. I mean, for sure and certain, we should have won the other game. We've got a draw in, um, but I remain very concerned. Um, Leeds, you know, it's funny, isn't it? Because one of the things that has always been told to everyone about the, the Bielsa teams is that they're incredible fitness levels and whatnot, but they're not running games out at the moment, which I think is quite strange. Um, and yeah. yeah, I think that they're coming to terms with their second year up. Um, they'll be okay, but I'm not so yeah, sure but- about that.
0: I thought that was, a, I think you're you spot on, and, and Pete, you can speak about this one if you saw it as well. It was really noticeable that Leeds did fire everything pretty early, and I agree. I thought they did run out of legs. And I thought, I really think St. Maximum's one of the best players in, in the comp at the moment. He is absolutely fantastic. Um, don't want to be, you know, get in trouble for calling him the beast, but he, he, he just manhandles the defenders. He's just so it's- strong and so fast.
2: A couple of results have been eerily similar to last year. Like, I mean, the, the game against Manchester United was almost a mirror image of the game we played against them last year Yeah. when Rodriguez came out. And I think the score was exactly the same. It was 4-1. Um, and this game against Leeds. Well, Leeds blew us away last year at the back end of the game um, with another one of those four, I don't know, I mean five goals they scored against us, but it certainly didn't happen this time. Um, yeah, like I say, I think they spent all the bullets in the first half. And then at the end... They really were closed up. They didn't want to concede a second.
0: No, no. Uh, Br- Brentford, an amazing performance um, away from home. Red card with about a third of the game to go. I'm not sure if you boys saw that, but I thought Brentford were really mature. Uh, that you know th- there was parts of the game where they were dominated against Wolves, and you know to get a 2 0 win and to have to uh, have a man off for almost half an hour. And I could be wrong there. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic performance by
1: a promoted team. Well, mature is an interesting word because I don't think that um coach or Brentford would be saying that too much about Shandon Baptiste. Oh uh, that's true. Especially since, you know, he got two yellow cards within space of two minutes. Uh and his second one was for quite literally a rugby tackle or that he had literally no right <laughs> to go for. Um so you know, maturity in that sense, no. But the other 89 minutes of the game, sensational from Brentford. And this is a team who, you know, We've we've heard you know plenty of rumors about them over the last couple of years. Of oh, there's this team down in the lower leagues, and they're doing things differently from everyone else. They're using more analysis tools. They've got this different way of playing football. There's just this you know something special about them. And now they're in the Premier League, and we get to see them week in, week out. We're starting to actually you know embrace what they're all about and, and their style of football, and how enjoyable it is to actually have this. This Brentford team playing the way that they do. Now, there's not a great deal for Wolves to be able to celebrate at the moment. Like, no. their, their coaching staff are left there scratching their heads, questioning what else they can try and do. Because, um, without, you know, they've got Adama Traore, who is just sensational and an absolute powerhouse on one side. And then they're able to bring on, oh, they've got someone like uh, Raul Jimenez um, as up front, but there's not no. a great deal else. They, yeah, they the just... Ball-
0: they're not getting There's enough no ball to their...
1: Yeah, I agree. They're not getting enough ball to those players.
0: And that, you know, it doesn't matter how good you are up front if the ball doesn't get to you in any sport. Um, I thought Man City against Southampton. Look, everyone keeps saying that Man City are going to run away with this league. I, I just, I think we've said it from the start of the season. Liverpool, Manchester United, Chelsea, I mean, even Tottenham. Um, there's, there's going to be challenges there, and will Man City actually have enough? They spent a hundred million dollars on a on a good player, but
1: I think they needed to maybe buy some more firepower up front. I'm not sure about you guys. Well, for me, they're missing someone like a Alan to maximum. They're they're missing kind of a a classic striker who can outpower people. They're, they're missing a. A Christian Benteke, a um, you know, a, a Diego Jota. They're missing an out and out striker who is able to you know hold up the ball, be able to turn, have a strong strike. Uh, they're they're just missing a decent striker, to be honest. Like um, they need a Romelu Lukaku. This is why it was obvious how desperate City were in the off season to get a Harry Kane in. Yeah. This this is why, and it was so blindingly obvious. They just need a target player, because at the moment they've got a whole lot of ball players. They've got a whole lot of guys who can create. They've got guys who can do, you know, the fancy work. But they, Some, you they need there's it. no they haven't replaced Kun Aguero, and that's what they're missing. They're missing that Sergio Aguero target player guy.
0: Sometimes you need a battering ram. No matter how good you are, you can play fancy football, but
1: you need to put the ball in the back of the net. And um, well, if City's interested, Alan, um, uh, some maximums valued at the moment is just over 30 mil. I'm sure that John would be happy with me mentioning that. Um, mm, that's, all that he, that's all that Andy Carroll left for when he went to Liverpool. Exactly right, mate. It was a Bible. But,
0: but it's the market that dictates, right? So in my mind, Newcastle should ask for the world because he is exactly what City needs. City will have a transfer window open. I'd be going for double I'd be going for double and a half that I'd be I'd ask for 70 80 million. I, I mean,
2: reckon I, I might be speaking out of turn here but St Maximum scored a couple of goals recently. Mm. But if I want a pure goal scorer out of Newcastle United I'd be taking Callum Wilson.
1: Oh absolutely. Absolutely. And,
2: you know I think that Callum Wilson's biggest issue is he can't get on the field. But I mean, when he's on the field that guy is uh, he's clinical. Oh, and I, I think agree. he's a wonderful player. What-
0: and that's where the problem lies, though, and that's why I think they'd be better off going for the Max man. Um, mm-hmm. Liverpool got well, another... Well, keep hand. their hands
2: off both of them.
0: There you go. Well, we hope for <laughs> your <laughs> sake that's the case. <laughs> oh. Liverpool ran away with the game against Crystal Palace, who are up Can
1: and Could I, I actually
2: politely suggest they grab Joe Linton
1: for a good price? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice. Liverpool, we've got a D-Rock E-G. We're more than happy to sell him off <laughs> at, dis- at a discounted price. Don't worry. How How quickly
2: do you think that swim to the bottom would be between him and Joe Litton? (laughs)
0: I'll
2: tell you what,
1: though.
0: um, In in saying that, though, Liverpool... How can you be a club the size of Liverpool and be going under the radar? Because they seemingly are going under the radar this season.
1: Uh, There's (laughs) got to be a chance to win a title. They're such a funny team at the moment, this Liverpool side, because you know what they're capable of, but they actually deliver kind of a surprise package. And yep. it, it's, a, it's an odd dynamic because Crystal Palace, credit to them, last weekend, I don't think anyone expected them to get a result. But against the Liverpool side, after having a win, with a Patrick Vieira who's kind of, you know, full of energy at the moment, you, you looked at this Crystal Palace side against Liverpool and went, yeah, you know what? They probably could sneak something out of this game. And even, you know, as the game went on, at no point did they look you know, out of the contest.
0: No, they, um, they were a good
1: value. Yeah, obviously, the the moment that stole this game was Nabi Keita with his left foot strike from outside the box and his celebration. That that was probably the the sole photo of this game that steals the, the limelight. But yeah, did Mano get his hundredth goal? Yes, wrong? he did.
0: Yeah, so he just joined. So Sowa did it last week or the week before, and then and then Mane uh, got his hundredth goal. That's pretty amazing to have a number of players on a hundred goals. In the, in, the one, goals in the one
1: in the one in uh, I think it was 224 games, which currently makes him the 10th quickest. Uh, whilst Mo Salah scored his 100th in 165 games, which made him the fifth quickest from memory. Um, but these guys are powerhouses, it's 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 insane. Uh,
0: Brighton beat Leicester, and Leicester, um, uh, just a strange team this year, I, you know. Um, it, I think we all expect them just to keep rolling on, and they probably still will. But um, it's a game you would have expected to get something out of. They seem a little bit flat at the
1: moment. They, if anyone can get uh, Leicester out of this kind of strife, it's brother Brendy Rogers. Um, he's he's got these little, uh, he's got this uh, Leicester side, you know, working in such a positive way, but there's still such a reliance upon Jamie Vardy. That there's yep. kind of no, there's no real plan B at times, and, and that's always going to be their downfall. Um, Brighton, on the other hand, uh, sensational from um, Danny Welbeck. You know, he, he's a, a guy who obviously left a, an Arsenal to reinvent himself at Brighton. He's now getting some decent game time, a, and he's really found himself quite a comfortable spot. And they're up up to fourth after five games. So, uh, there's always
0: a team who sneaks up early. Um, Manchester United held on. West Ham missed a penalty on the death. And Man United win 2-1. Um, pretty flattering scoreline in my mind. I,
2: the last 10 minutes of this game were fantastic. I, I, w- I want to ask, Pete, as a coach, um, this current trend of bringing dudes cold off the bench, and I felt really sorry for... Um, um, Brian Noble or hmm. Noble, whatever his name is, when he, Mark, Mark Noble. Noble. Brian Mark Noble was a rugby league player. <laughs> yeah, Brian was the was the England rugby league ca- um, coach and captain. Um, Martin Noble come off the bench. I mean, the dude's been around that club forever. They bring him off cold. He, he couldn't have put that penalty into a better spot to be saved. He's a pretty good no. penalty taker. He is. Um, yep. he's, but he would have taken too many, you know, it, too many penalties when he was completely ice cold like that. I thought it was ridiculous no. to bring him on.
0: It's, it's a trend. A I think times. it's a losing trend. I think you're right. It's happened a number of times. Uh, Chelsea dumped Tottenham to really put their title credentials on display. I think a lot of us tip that Chelsea are going to be a massive chance to win. Um, to win away from home as well, they are going to be right there when the whips are cracking.
2: I just want to call well, they... that VAR too in that last game. Yeah. I didn't get to finish no. off the VAR. Yeah. On, I mean, I, I sat here last week and really cynically went through the Manchester United um, you know, uh, roster list and all the players they've got. But Ronaldo dead set in that that last play the second last play of the game was as stonewall of a penalty as you would ever see. The V.A. went back and looked at the dude just dove straight across in front of Ronaldo's knees and cut him down. And they they said, Oh, we're not even going to go back and have a look at it.
0: Yeah, it's uh, strange That was one of the worst calls I've seen. Yeah, the scary part is, if we go back over the last year or so, it's probably not, but it was pretty bad. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> now I was up, actually laughing. Yeah, that's true. Well, and I, mean, I thought he had a great game just quietly. I, I'd be uh, laughing if I looked and had the money he did as well. Yeah. And can I finish off and self-indulge a team that I absolutely love their supporters and respect their uh, the, the team as a whole and their history, but Villa... Ended up comfortable winners over Everton. The scoreline flattered us. We scored goals really quickly. Matty Cash scoring his first goal for the club. Absolute stunning goal. Uh, And then an own goal from from a corner. That's... It was a really... We finally... Villa's finally got a uh, set-piece man. And uh, that set-piece man who set up the own goal, Leon Bailey, now that he's fit, I think he's going to take the lead by storm. And our supporters are already bemoaning the fact that he could leave for somewhere else. He's just signed a three-year contract. (laughs) We are the strangest, one of the strange supporting groups in the country. But look, I just said to a few supporters, calm your farm. If he stays for three years and he goes, that's fine. Just enjoy the three years. You've only got one day at a time. But he looks like he's really going to push Villa um, into a comfortable position this year.
1: I'd say name a more pessimistic supporter group than Aston Villa. And then I looked across and I went, oh yeah, Arsenal, but like so (laughs) pessimistic and Newcastle like Villa is so pessimistic. Like you've got, Okay, Matty Cash probably has the game of his life here, and I, I think he was probably the most Googled person straight after this game because it turns out his dad's English and his mum's Polish, and he's never represented either team at the uh, youth yeah. level. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure that the Polish national team coach has already reached out to him to say, hey, mate, well done. And if he hasn't, I'll be blowing up because, good gosh, he's, uh, he's, he's got a motor, special. Mate. He's got and a then, motor, Leon Bailey, mate, what an absolute machine. Like, his set piece was fantastic off that corner, but then his thunderous strike with the left foot, like, literally, some say that that net is still vibrating there at Villa Park after that strike (laughs) because it was a rocket that hit there. And it
0: goes to prove that you can go and find players. I mean, find players from a lower league. He played in the Bundesliga. You only have to watch 10 minutes of his highlights to know that he had this in him. He's been injured, he's had a hamstring injury, and he was in quarantine, um, obviously, coming coming across from Germany. I, I love it. I love when a club finds a player like this. Um, so, I'm excited. I, I don't think, that you know, when I say pessimistic, I don't expect any great things, but what I want what we did against Everton and from the you know with a couple substitutions we went at Everton and that's all you can ask for as a club if you're one of those kind of middle tier clubs you just want your team to go for it and that's the first time in many years but i'll finish this off our supporters were whinging after a three nil win against Everton my god come on guys
1: Oh, I could never get them happy. And, and look, for the sake of context here, Leon Bailey's got a nice little three-year rule. He spent three years at FC Genk. Uh, he spent yes. three and a bit years at Bayern Leverkusen. So three years at Villa, and then he can move on. Don't stress. It's okay. Three-year rules, mate. I like them.
0: I like it. If you can keep a player for three years and he gives you that kind of enjoyment, just go with it. So, look, the... I don't think there's any massive surprises at the moment. I I know we said that um, Brighton's up into fourth, but there's always a team. We've got Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester United, Brighton, but Man City, it's just going to be an amazing title chase. For the first time in a long time, I really genuinely believe four teams can win this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, And I'll actually throw in here the fact that we also have a similar title type of a campaign in in the women's competition, the FAWSL, where at the moment, uh, opening two games of the season, we've got four teams who are sitting top with two wins. So that's Brighton and Hove, that's Arsenal, that's Man United, that's Tottenham. Uh, Now, they've already started off fantastically um, with Brighton and Hove top of the table as it stands. Villa, they're currently fifth. Chelsea, currently uh, sixth. Uh, And then towards the end of the table, we've got Everton. Everton are obviously uh, struggling so far. They've conceded eight goals within their opening two games of the season. Um, And and the thing is with uh, Everton, things aren't going to get easier because this weekend they're playing against um, Birmingham, who are a decent mid-table side. And they've definitely got enough to compete. No, they're not. (laughs) Sorry,
0: I don't care if it's the men or women's. Birmingham, you can get relegated. I don't care for you. You lost 5-0 last week and I'm stoked. Show my bias right there. Guys, well, the, uh, that was a bit of footy wrap. We're so happy to have John on board. Um, AFL, grand final this weekend. We'll come to that a little bit later. Have that as a tiny bit of dessert. NFL round, the NFL. So, Pete, we have to take you out of this a tiny bit, mate. But your Bills did have a win. So the NFL was completed uh, this morning with uh, a comfortable win in the end, second half for your Packers. Um, John, I thought they were really, really fantastic in the second half.
2: They were, but you expect them to beat up on Detroit. So that had to happen. So it was
0: good. You can't win i I'm not going to run around the street
2: pantless because we beat Detroit.
0: No, but you can't. You can't. Win a title after two rounds, but you can certainly be in, you know, in a position where you can't win it, and uh, you had to get that win. And I think you did really well second half. The first half was, I was like, oh my god, I don't want to speak to John tonight. This might not be a good situation. It did look that way. I'm not seeing enough
2: from the defense. We've got a new defensive coordinator, and he looks like he's playing true to his form. He was the, I don't know how we brought him in. He was defensive coordinator at Detroit when they went 0-16. <laughs> um, I'm like, you know, you, you don't go generally trawling for dudes like that. But um, no. he's, yeah, he seems to at the moment. But He's got to put a stamp on his team. He wants to play a very passive form of defense from what I've seen. And I don't know if I like it that much. But, no, you know, I, time never, will tell.
0: I've, I've never liked it. You know, it. it Pete, it's a game where... Um, a lot of of people put currency in offense and if they don't follow the game week in week out they'll just talk about the you know ah the offense did the offense did that but the best teams for my for mine over over the last few decades have had an amazing defense a defense that makes you excited to watch them they're they're at the quarterback the you know i think back at seattle when they had um their uh cover defense was amazing you know I, I look at the, the Bears in the 80s. I look at the Packers. I look at so many defensive teams. They're actually fun to watch.
1: Yeah, well, that's the, the joy of finding a balance because the thing is, it's not a 100% attack of the game. The, the thing is, it's realistically probably 45% attack, 45% defense, and then you've got your special team moments as well. And, and the thing is, your special team can create some magic out of nothing, or they're the team who just grind things out at moments that they need to be there. So it's a really interesting perspective that so many people just jump in and go, oh, the attack didn't do this. Oh, we should have been doing this. Oh, this play was bad. Like, focus on the, the whole game. It's a big picture, not a tiny little photograph. Like,
0: No, you, you, you're, you're absolutely right. The Jets uh, played up the form, easily done, uh, beaten by uh, a Patriots team that probably should have won their first week's game against my hapless uh, Dolphins. Uh, Broncos did what they had to do against the Jaguars winning by 10 the Bills will come to them in a moment uh, 49ers did what they had to do against a pretty average Eagles team the Rams and Colts was a brilliant game uh, and the Rams got, a, got up 27-24 and the Colts who everyone expected to do big things in Norton too um, Raiders, oh my god they, they are good we've said this at the start of the season the Raiders are good and the Steelers are bad because Ben Roethlisberger, he looked, he looked horrendous. I don't know what if you saw that one, John.
2: Oh, yeah. I, I, I was lucky I'm on school holidays, so I was able to have a big dent of game pass and then highlight reels and, you know, um, watch, plus Newcastle played early on in the week,
0: so that yeah. freed me up with some time. Um, Am I overreacting to how bad I thought Ben Roethl- uh, Roethlisberger looked? Or nah, I think
2: it? Ben's been looking old for a while, man. He's been looking real old for a while. I think... The main thing that's keeping the Steelers afloat is that they've got a brilliant um, coach and a great defence. Yeah. Um, but Ben, like, you know, you, you want to get... Look, the other thing is, if you want to, you know, you can't write off guys like him too soon because they, they do come back and bite you. But last year, I think they were 10-0 and then they collapsed down the back end of the of the season. And, you know, Ben, it's time for him to do something else by the look of it. Uh, but um, having said that, I don't mind watching him play like this because the Steelers and me aren't friends. So that's the way it
0: goes. I thought Carl and we spoke about it earlier. I think and it massively underrated and, and I don't think respected quarterback. I think it's the scribes don't respect him. These guys are meant to be the experts. Over three hundred and fifty yards, couple pass down, uh, sorry, a couple passing touchdowns. He looks apart. I'm I'm really happy with how he's
2: progressed. Some, we've said this before. Sometimes I wonder whether we watch the same game between us and you know some of the stuff that comes out of the mouths of the pundits. And I mean that stands for football as well, but. In the NFL, Derek Carr—it it just seems like he's had an open, an open season on him for years. Every other time I watch him, I'm like, man, that dude does some amazing stuff. I—I'll stand on this, you know, unless Rodgers wins the MVP and the Super Bowl this year and takes us past the championship game. Given all the noise he was making, man, I wish we called his bluff and um, traded him for Carr. I picked think up free draft picks a, as well, because yeah, I love the way. Kakar would love our joint.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and and your fans honestly deserve that. The Browns got back on track. Um, now, interesting uh, here, uh, under Kevin Stepanski, when they've lost, um, basically they, they win almost every time following a loss. So Texans, far better team than... Oh, I don't want to say far better team. They're putting up better performances than what we expected, but we'll see how that goes as the season goes. Well, you've on got to take your hat off to them,
2: given the absolute fiasco of, um, of of Deshaun Watson at quarterback, and I I still can't believe that the NFL hasn't made a call on what's going on there. I think that it's unbelievable. It's it's so untransparent. It's so untransparent that, we, that they don't want to do it because it's all about the you know the current. Um, Issues of everything being race-based in the states. Yep. That if they can't find
0: With that quarterback,
2: and there's atrocious, atrocious behaviour off the field. Then you know what? That's on them because it will come back. And these things always come back and get you. They always do. And they put mate. Ezekiel Elliott for six weeks, and what well, he did pales in insignificance about what what Watson did.
0: Uh, Sam Darnold, mate, off to his first two and two and zero uh, start. Um, for the Panthers, who no one expects really to do too much. And he's looking every bit um, the player the Jets need. He's a stand-up
2: example of that stuff when people decide that a quarterback's like crap because so many of these quarterbacks get drafted into low teams because they're high draft picks. It's funny, most of the the, the quarterbacks that really kick on come in as lower draft picks. But But the high ones have got to exist in this quagmire of some garbage Football setups and you know none worse than the Jets. I mean, when I remember when the Jets were, you remember this? The Jets were looking for high draft picks and they went on a campaign. They called it "Suck for Sam" because they wanted oh, to get him yeah. high up in the draft. Yeah, hundred percent. And they got him. They never protected him. They didn't have any weapons. And and, Donald, and they booed him off the pitch. I mean, they booed him off the pitch after games. And now in Carolina. Two games has gone two, and I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl. But boy, he looks comfortable, and he looks I, and a good they're gonna quarterback. Be,
0: they're going to be fun to watch, and and that's all you can mm. ask. Once again, if your team's not expected to do much, um, my mm. team absolutely sucks. They, they stink. Oh my god, it's beyond <laughs> stinking. And I'm allowed to say this. You know, I followed Dolphins my, you know, most of my life. I think for thirty odd years. This is just this reeks, man. Like. Tua gets injured, gets booed off by his own supporters. We get thumped by a very, very good Buffalo team, and they are very good. For every bit of good they are, the Dolphins are so irrelevant, it's embarrassing. He's got a glass jaw, mate. Uh, He's got it. There's something with him and players
2: like Carson Wentz. You know, one of the biggest parts of playing quarterback, you know, and I think the same thing goes in football as well. You know, you're watching it with, say, Callum Wilson, why he's not at Manchester City, as we've asked. Yep. If you can't get on the field, you know, your best ability is your availability. And he's not able to stay on the field and stay relevant. And Buffalo are just going to punch them in the mouth every time they play him. And it's funny how that division shakes out because it still seems to be the case that Miami give New England everything they can handle. New yep. England just own the Bills. And the Jets are crap. So, um, and, and, and I think the Bill the Bills own the bins. The Bills own the, own the Dolphins. I still think that the Bills are one of the top, at
0: least, two teams in the AFC. Well, a team that I think is going to—I mean, some ridiculous decisions again, if we want to talk about decisions—but a team that has got one of the very great running backs the game has seen, with Derrick Henry. Tennessee Titans get up. and they needed that win. Um, But they still... If you've got that running game and a quarterback who can at least be serviceable, they're going to be a chance to be playing for the AFC title. Titans beating the Seahawks 33-30.
2: Really good game. That was such an awesome game, wasn't it? I love that game.
0: Just so you know, uh, Pete, the running backs, I think their average life in the comps is about two-point-something years because they're battering rams. They just get smashed. This guy... I, look, I knock on wood because I'm not a Titans fan. I don't have any affiliation. Don't really care. But Derek Henry, uh, another 200 yard game, three touchdowns. Um, you would think he's a a wide receiver with those kind of stats, and then you realize he's a he's a he's a running back. He he's one of the best I've seen, John. The longer the game back.
2: goes, he he stays exactly as big as he is. He's. Uh, his athleticism and going from side to side is just outrageous. I love what
0: you do. He's huge. Uh, Pete, please do yourself a favour. Go and watch some highlights of Derrick Henry. He reminds me, and I'm being blasphemous, he does remind me of Bo Jackson, that guy who gets seems to get faster as the game goes on.
1: Well, I'm actually watching not... his highlights at the moment and, to be honest, looking at the stats as well, his rushing yards, he managed to get 182 yards in this game. Now, the closest from a Seahawks player was 31. That was Chris Carson. Yeah. Mm. Like, yep. the, he, his rushing game is just phenomenal. Like, it is crazy watching the highlights here and just being able to see that his job, not only one, is just to be able to get yards. Like, it's obvious that he, his job is just get the ball, get it forward, done, simple. But he's able to find these little pockets of space out of, you know, Nowhere, absolute nowhere. But he's still able to grind his way through. And his yardage in this game here is just crazy. He had thirty-five carries. Like, yeah,
0: he's he's insane.
1: He's he, he literally really, is insane. Really. And, but we know the history of
0: running backs like this. They 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 blaze quickly. And I just hope that's not the case. But,
2: there's very few at this level, though. I mean, like he's he he's a running back in in the, in. The, in the all-time great conversation, there's some guys who come and go, and they run them into the ground. Yeah, whatever. But you, this guy's his capacity to win games. Yep. Um, and like he, they do use him in much the same way. Like it reminds me of the way you use some people on a on a, in a 15-a-side rugby game. You use some people to take the juice out of the opposition first, oh, and yeah. if they're really able to do it, then they come over the top. And it's ironic in a game where they do as many substitutions as you want. He doesn't come out. He gasses everyone on the defence. And at the end, he runs over them. I think he's you awesome. Have
0: to, you have to double-team him. You, you cannot not double-team him. So he's opening up gaps for other players. And I do think if the Titans can just not turn the ball over, I think they're going to be right there at the end as well. Cowboys got up in a in a in quite a good game. Um, but the field goal... That one, it was 56 yards. Yeah. Mm. I just thought it was a right, look, It was a good game, Chargers and Cowboys. And Cowboys needed to get that win because imagine the pressure if they were 0-2. That
2: was a super fun game to watch. And, you know, I know where this conversation is going next. And I, I want to get off this game. And I oh. want you to take me to the next one.
0: <laughs> Pete, did you get to see the Chiefs and Ravens at all?
1: Again, so I'm watching the highlights uh, while, while we're chatting, a- and this is, again, a game that I'm sitting there going, I sh- probably should have watched a bit more of this than just the three-minute highlight package that's, uh, that's in front of me because oh. now I'm wanting to definitely check out a bit more. I feel like I've definitely missed out on uh, on one heck of a game. I might Ooh, need to get the Game Pass code good. later on, John, if that's all right, mate. <laughs> yeah, you go, yeah, I'll get it to you. Yeah. Week two <laughs> week, was great.
0: Week, week two, two was, was amazing. Fantastic. And two for anyone, and, and there's a lot of people who say to you and I, John, oh, the NFL, hate that game. They wear pads and da-da-da-da-da. You know, you, you've heard all of the things people say about it. This had a brilliant quarterback and a brilliant quarterback playing two completely different styles of, of, uh, of game. It had absolutely everything. And Lamar Jackson made a few early mistakes. And I'm thinking, oh, uh-oh. And he just... It's a rare ability for anyone in any sport to make mistakes early in a game and not seemingly, I mean, he cared, but not seemingly that didn't get him down. And he just picked up the Ravens and said, we're winning this game. He was absolutely unbelievable. He's a complete professional. He doesn't
2: talk. He doesn't make noises. He's not involved in any of the, um, you know, the sort of the culture of talking about how amazing I am or anything like that. Um, he's, he's had a couple of rough exits in the playoffs. But the guy's winning record's outrageous. He's a fabulous player. And I thought he showed plenty of stones in that game out night. It was fantastic.
0: And, and look, no one ever wins a game single-handedly. But he went pretty darn close to picking him up and saying, come with me, boys. Let's, let's do this. Because he did everything he could. And you want to talk about lateral movement. For a quarterback, he's big. He's fast. And he just found gaps that a lot of other quarterbacks. Just there's no way they would have found them.
2: His feet in traffic are fantastic. Yeah, I, I love watching. Look, I've always liked the um, the Ravens in whatever intonation they come out in. There's something about the club. I love the jersey. I it's like a the strong, ground.
0: Strong jersey,
2: yep. And I like the games that they play. And I remember that this, some of the best games I've ever watched were them against the Steelers. And now, obviously, with the Browns being up there, they're always relevant. Every game you watch of the Ravens is relevant.
0: Now, Great Pete, coach. We, we might put Pete under the pump here. Pete, do you know who Baltimore were early on in the NFL? Nope. It's a bit of a Not hard one idea. Nope. So it's good. For, okay.
2: Do you want to fill him in
0: there? Do you want to fill him in um, there, John?
2: Well, the, famously, the Colts were the Baltimore Colts, Pete.
0: Okay. Right.
2: Um, and the Ravens unbelievably so what happened was that the Baltimore Colts which is one of the like foundation old teams of the NFL are very successful it's Johnny Unitas's team and all the rest of it the marching band the whole thing won Super Bowl three I think three or four anyway five under um the guy who was the coach um at at the Dolphins as well um, yep. what was his name yeah him can't remember his name. That's ridiculous. We no, I, say,
0: I was about to say Don Shula, but um, yeah, it was Don Shula. He coached yeah.
2: them. He coached the Colts when they won the Super Bowl back then. Anyway, they got up, they up sticks and moved to Indianapolis, and the team was the town was gutted
0: overnight, then, almost. <laughs>
2: yep, and then um, almost over some sometime later, the Browns left Cleveland and went to Baltimore, and one of the things when they left was they weren't allowed to ch- take the name of them, so they went to Baltimore. They couldn't call themselves the Colts. They couldn't call themselves the Browns. They called themselves the Baltimore Ravens. Um, and two years later, the Browns resurfaced in their new form, which they've been terrible ever since. And the coach of the Browns when they left was yep. none other than Bill Belichick. Yep. Who went on to be the um, New England Patriots coach and winning all those titles. So um, there's, there's a lot of water under the bridge there with that story. But anyway, it is what it is. So there's a little bit of truth for everyone. Most people who... No, the NFL would know that, but if you don't, then that's that's realistically where they came from. But you missed one I'm game. Re- man. I'm
1: I'm ready for the next Wednesday night trivia now that I've got that. So thank you. Very <laughs> yeah, well, much.
2: the Browns were the, yeah the Browns became the Col- uh, the Ravens and then back to the Browns anyway.
0: I missed the one couple game. You games. missed out, I'm, man. I missed a couple. Which are we going Vikings cards or the Felton? That's Bucks? the one I
2: want to talk about. Please go for it. Did you watch that?
0: Yeah, I watched a bit of it. I couldn't watch it all, unfortunately,
2: <laughs> mate. I need someone to tell me how Mike Zimmer is still the coach of the <laughs> the Vikings. Like they, they 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 always say, "Oh, you know, but this, oh, but that, but this, but that." But he's the he picks the kicker. He picks yeah. He, he 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 the quarterback. He's supposed to be a defensive guru. He's this. He's that. He can't get anyone vaccinated. No one can kick. It, there's dysfunction. Okay, they lost two games. They could have won two, but they didn't.
0: And I don't know how. The blowtorch is never under that guy. They need you over there reporting on it, mate, and he will be gone. Yeah, no, the Vikings know how to lose a game. Um oh, man, he missed yeah, a shot from just 35 just out. Thirty. he even it. that
2: out? It's really cool <laughs> if you go back and you watch the highlights with the, with the Minnesota radio calling the game
0: because they thought he kicked it. Yeah,
2: they do, and they're like they're all pumped and all that, and then they go, Oh what? Oh no, he's missed because they've actually got now an incredibly long history of dudes missing close field goals to win games.
1: Yeah, they've um, <laughs> they've taken the joys of off. superstitions. How does superstitions <laughs> take over an actual game that you know? I oh, know. Well, for Pete, thirty how's this? Years, th- we haven't kicked from close range, so I just won't do it. <laughs>
2: I think there's well, only one genuine hall of fame uh, place kicker that's in. There's one going to go in later, but the one that's there. Um, kick for the Vikings and somehow managed to miss a chip shot field goal to take him to a Super Bowl, um, you know, as the only one he ever really missed.
0: Yes, unbelievably. We have missed one other game. And I thought the Falcons put up a good fight for a fair bit of the game. Um, But the Falcons got beaten by Brady. They got beaten by – you can almost think it's the Pats because the first two touchdowns, I think, to the – Bucks went to the, cron- uh, to the Gronk. Um, but Brady, four passing touchdowns, four or five games in a row, I think. And I think that's only been done by one other quarterback ever.
1: So that's, that's incredible last
0: year. They, I mean, it, look, Tom against time. I mean, people can say what they want. And, and, and actually, I don't know if you watch this game, the commentators once again really annoyed the hell out of me. They were saying, oh... You know, of course Tom's going to do this. He's got a great O-line. He's got a great... Um, he's got great attack. But he seems to be able to do it anywhere. And I just thought he was really good. Um, he's such a calming influence on any team he has.
2: And he's got the magic touch that when he makes mistakes, he doesn't have to pay for them.
0: Not many, not many players in any sport can do that, mate. <laughs> some people have got it and some people don't, man. It's like,
2: uh, how many times did Mike Hussey get given not out when he feathered the ball through the keeper? Yeah, that's right. Like, I'll just stand here for a while and, hey, if no one gives me
0: out, I'm, I'm staying. Oh, uh, mate, well, the, the football over the uh, over the weekend of, you know, uh, NFL and EPL was just absolutely outstanding. Loved it. Um, guys, for, for our next part, and we'll try and make it a bit quicker, the rugby league on the weekend, I thought, I, I don't know... I, I, refereeing decisions and non-decisions shouldn't cost games, but I think Parramatta were pretty hard done by uh, against Penrith on the weekend. Penrith had their chance to blow the game open early um, and then the longer the game went, you thought had a chance here and some of the decisions you know, I do think I'm not saying it cost them the game, but you know, to go down in the backfield 20 odd metres away from play and to, for the referee to stop the game when Parramatta's on the attack I think is disgusting. I, I'm not saying they would have won it, but that that had to cost them an
1: opportunity no, I'll, I'll put into perspective here I, I live in the south coast of uh, of sydney basically and uh, my general feeler of how games are going comes in whatever noises i hear while sitting <laughs> in the backyard of the neighbors places so if i hear screams of what is that then i generally know something's going on i probably should turn on the tv and that's most of what I got from this game. And then, you know, getting the occasional message as well on all the social media channels of this is an absolute joke, really questioned what on earth was going on between Panthers and Eels. And the, the fact that it didn't seem like it was, you know, a fair and equitable game. It, it really did feel like Eels were basically playing with their backs against the walls the whole time. I, I did say
0: to my, uh, I did say to my wonderful partner, and I did say to my uh, some friends and family, it was one of the great finals I've ever seen. It, it was only eight six, but both teams, I mean, whoever was going to win that, they're going to really struggle to back up this week because it was one of the toughest finals I'd seen. Like, not the old school Biff, but it was so tough, and the and the force they hit each other with was absolutely amazing.
2: It was a fully engaging game from start to finish. I, I... yeah. Because we've been a bit flat on the NRL the last couple of weeks, but that game just was, was fantastic to watch. And it did feel a bit like maybe the Panthers had a tactic to slow the game down at the back end, which was somebody sending the trainer out to call to mm-hmm. the ref to I mean that that's, that's on the supposed refs, to only isn't it? be used for Henry's, you could hear Pete, you could hear Peter Sterling getting frustrated, going, Look, all he's done is like got a tweak on his ankle. It's like the game keep going. And that's but the way you- the game Rugby league's always been played like that. And the, the, the momentum swings that were happening, you've got to give Penrith credit. It wasn't like Parra didn't have chances to score. Oh, I yeah. thought most of the time Parra didn't look like scoring, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I do, but they I were do. just pounding and pounding away. And you thought, something's got to give. Penrith's defence was um, brilliant. That game was tough.
0: It was a brilliant game, and in contrast, I don't even want to talk about the Sea Eagles Roosters. Sea Eagles were fantastic, Roosters finally ran out of legs. It has been an awful year for the Roosters with injuries, and they do have a legitimate excuse to run out of juice in
1: that game. Yeah, I I I wanted to question how's your Oracle feeling, by the way?
0: Well, should be uh, should be feeling quite good, I think, if we uh, listen back. But um, uh, yeah, so Sea Eagles. Oh, uh, look, we've got uh, the prelims this weekend. Thank goodness the hierarchy of the NRL did not put the Storm Panthers game up against the AFL Grand Final. What stupidity it was to have that scheduled at the same time. So Friday night, Rabbitohs taking on the Sea Eagles in a genuinely fantastic. That should be a great game. Two really good teams, and then Storm Panthers, you could say they're equal, but it, I think the pan—I oh, no. don't know—I think the Panthers really cocked a lot of hits. Like,
2: there's no way the Panthers are going to beat the Storm, mate. Like, the, especially after what happened last week, Penrith blew their chance of playing in the grand final last week, and yep. you know what? Manly enhanced their chance of playing the grand final by getting beat last week.
0: It's so funny like that, isn't it? Because I actually favour the Sea Eagles to, to beat the Rabbitohs because they've got their mojo. They, I think they have more attacking weapons than the Rabbitohs. I know the Rabbitohs had uh, the, the the extra week off, but the Sea Eagles against the Roosters was almost a training run. Um, I think it was going to be a Sea Eagles-Storm Grand Final. And I think for a lot of people that'll be pretty boring because the Storm are there so often. Um, and a lot of people hate the Sea Eagles, so it could be a grand final that people go. I hope both teams can bust. I'd
2: like to see South playing the, the Melbourne, actually, because there's no I, I way better if we're going to make it.
0: I, I would, I would too. I, I'd like to see the Rabbitohs. And if the Storm can't win, and I think I've hid my bias pretty well, then I certainly would want the Rabbitohs to win.
2: What would the noises in the backyard sound like, Pete, when the Storm are winning another premiership?
1: <laughs> oh, trust me, silence. it would be business as usual and a bit of silence. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's really dull. But they are great. You've got to take your hat off to how they keep reinventing themselves under every single rule change, personnel change,
1: whatever you want scandal, to change you
2: wanna put it. Salary they, cap scandal. Anything like that. And I'm mean, the salary cap scandal was complete bogus, but you know, um what an incredible sporting club they ha- have become.
1: To be fair, they're they're, they're almost unflappable. Uh, they're just a team that, you know, whatever hits them, they just bounce off and they just go, yep, all right, let's move on and let's get ready for the next battle. They're, they're just a brilliant team and a brilliant case study. It, it's, it's funny, there's so much uh, focus on, like, the, the New Zealand All Blacks as, you know, the ultimate club culture and the ultimate environment. But Storm have done this for years as well. And they've built this culture of excellence. If you've also noticed, one of the things
0: they do with their stars, if the stars have got a couple of years left and they want to go, the club generally releases the plays at the right time. You know how you have some clubs and Pittsburgh Steelers and the NFL are probably going to be a good example here. You hold on to a player for one or two years too long. The Storm don't ever seem to do that. But, you know, uh, Addo Fox is leaving and he's going with the wishes of the club. You know, and he's going for big, big money that the Storm can't offer. Yeah, but, he, but they didn't good. let him leave
2: last or two years ago when he wanted to go as well. They kept you know, him through that time.
0: They did. They kept him at the right time, which could, the great clubs seem to do, don't they? They keep that mm-hmm. player at the right time. But look, it should be a great, great two preliminary finals. A little, uh, for some people, it'll be an hors d'oeuvre for the AFL Grand Final, but <laughs> what an afternoon of football you've got. Storm can Panthers on? leading into Melbourne Doggies. Of course you can. Sorry, mate.
2: No, I just want to do a quick keep cut. A little, um, was it kick? I just cut the time. I'm like, um, <laughs> I'm a bit like. um we've only, been doing this on for, we've only been oh, doing no. this for a year or so. But, it's uh, for
0: Pete. It's Ooh, for okay. Pete. It's
2: for penalty takers. All right, um, Mila Yednak, Alan Shearer, or um Brian
1: Mark Noble. <laughs> Uh um. Okay, so I have to keep. Um, it's got to be Alan Shearer that I'm keeping around. To be honest, like it, it is, without a doubt, he was sensational at everything that he did and touched with with gold. Um, as always, we need to give a bit of a cuddle and a bit of love towards uh, Mila Jednak. Um, Go Vela! Yeah, you know <laughs> he's an absolute club legend. At, you know, everywhere where he's gone, I don't think that anyone's got a bad mark to ever say about anything. or oh, that Yednak has done, whether it be Palace, whether it be Villa, whether it be Mariners, whether it be Sydney United, 58 FC, wherever Australia. he's been, Australian national team, he's yeah. just been a true leader. And in that case, then it means that I do have to say farewell to Mark Noble, an absolute <laughs> legend. Um, West Ham and an absolute sensational man. Like He's got himself the nickname of Mr. West Ham for the fact that he's loyalty and service to the game. But yeah, I will say uh, farewell to the guy who gets himself subbed on in the 90th minute to take a penalty, whether it was uh, Moises' idea or his. He is so, so loved. Uh, He is
0: so loved at Villa. It's just crazy. Uh, He only spent four years there, but the four years are still pretty good. Um, I think he's involved with our women's team, actually. Mark Noble. Yeah, he is. Um, oh, yeah, isn't. It? No, Melee Jedi.
2: Jedi. Oh, I know, I know. I'm just wondering, yeah.
0: I'm pretty sure Jedi is involved in our women's team, but uh, I'd have, have to double check he's that. He's
1: involved with your youth teams at the moment. So he's okay. one of the uh, youth team coaches um, with the academies.
0: Okay. Keep Kit Cuddle before we finish off with the AFL Grind Final. Uh, keep Kit Cuddle for you here, John. Um, it's college football. And it's LSU, Alabama, and Miami Hurricanes.
2: All right, LSU, Alabama, and the Canes. Mm-hmm. So Louisiana State. Yes. Yep. The only big, the only big city team you're giving me is the Hurricanes. Yep. Um, and Alabama, you gave me yeah? Yep. All right. Well, <laughs> just correct me if I'm wrong. So if I want to keep, no, I'm joking. Right, I'm going to go with, <laughs> I'm going to keep Alabama because obviously they are the absolute powerhouse of college football and I'd be an idiot to throw them out. Yep. The only reason I would I would kick them is if I hated them, but I've got no real rooting interest in college, so I don't care that much. I see the most of these teams usually at the back end of the year yep. when things get interesting, when they stop beating, you know, teams like the Little Sisters of the Poor and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to cuddle the Miami Hurricanes. Yep. Um, because they've got an amazing, uh, I, both clubs have got an college, have got an amazing history. But I kind of like the Hurricanes' history more than I like Louisiana. So I'm, I'm going to keep uh, the Hurricanes because of guys like Michael Irvin and Jimmy jo- mm. Jimmy Johnson, and whatnot. And they're a long, long way from having had success. And hopefully they come back and do it again soon. And LSU, well, who cares?
0: All right. Just, just for you, uh, Pete, the Miami Hurricanes, um, back in the late 80s, early 90s, they were like the, college, they were like the bad boys of college. So they kind of embraced the hip-hop culture. They embraced intimidation. Guns and, and drugs.
2: Sh-
0: yeah, <laughs> guns and drugs. And, and could have won year after year um, national titles. And they kind of blew it. And it all fell apart. So they were a team that made me start watching college football. We're gonna finish off gonna finish off this podcast. Pete has a lot of things to do. John has some drinking to do, and I probably have to eat some pizza. But we have a brilliant, brilliant AFL grand final, hopefully coming up this Saturday night in Perth. We have Ollie Wines winning the Brownlow, deservedly so. Very good Brownlow win. It was a really amazing Brownlow count as well. But we have the dogs taking on the D's. If you can unequivocally say you know who's going to
1: win this game, you're a liar. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I look, Bookie's favourite is Melbourne. Uh, and sentimental, that, yep. Yeah, and, and it, it's so obscure because, to be fair, yes, man, this is just going to shape up to be a great final, to be fair. There's not much more you can really say about it. It's just two decent teams battling it out, Here on you know a late night game on Saturday evening, it's a 7 pm kickoff, so this will go on for a bit. I'm looking forward to that. Um, Bulldogs, they've got every right to be in this final for the performances that they've shown so far this season. Like, yep, this is something special. This is actually, you know, a decent final that I'm really looking forward to watching.
0: I feel sorry for the supporter groups, um, to. In, in a fair in a fair way, same. I, I found it really funny that a lot of commentators, once again, we're talking about commentators, right? These guys are paid to do what we would love to do. They're talking about how unfair it is for the two Victorian teams this year to be playing a grand final away from Melbourne. What happened last year? Wasn't that John yeah, same thing? <laughs> and, and, uh, multiple, multiple commentators. I know Geelong is not theoretically in Melbourne. I know it's a country town, seaside town. But it's still two Victorian teams played in Brisbane last year, and as uh, two Melbourne teams, sorry, playing in, in Brisbane last year. So I just find it really strange this rhetoric they're talking about the, the support. They have to is- make
2: stories up out of nowhere, like the players don't care.
0: No, the players just the want players to do don't that.
2: care. And and you know what? If I know plenty of fans of both of those clubs, and I can tell you that they just want their turn to be in the grand final.
0: Well, don't well, think the Melbourne one.
2: fans care where it's played.
0: No, I shouldn't sure the be able to watch it. The funny thing is, there's this thing of oh, everyone saying that they want Melbourne to win it, right? They haven't won in 50 odd years and blah, blah, blah. I, I get all of that, but I want to kind of take a different side on it, and that is the kind of supporter bases the two are, right? Melbourne, anyone who anyone who follows a club is a great supporter, so I'm not saying Melbourne supporters aren't great. Western Bulldogs are absolutely working class, and they still are working class, and Melbourne are the Blue Bloods. If they win a grand final and they win two or three, they will be like Richmond. Nobody will like Melbourne, right? Doggies win this. People are still going to like the dogs. I know that's a bit, it's a just a story I'm not really hearing. I'm hearing nothing. Of, I don't even know if there's any journalists out there anymore.
2: Does that I'm make sense, ha- what I'm saying? I'll be quite happy if, if Footscray win. Like I say, they're a proper old-school work class. It's not like they've been flushed with success. They've only won two premierships in their
0: existence. Yeah, and that's, and that's the story that's not being told. That, to me, is still a fairy tale for them to come from the lower echelons in 2016 of the eight and to then do so again this year, even though they were um, dominating for most of the year, they did drop out of the, of the top four. So, you know, for me, they're still a fairy tale. And I think it's just, maybe I'm wrong, but with all these stories that journalists are rehashing the same stuff, why aren't they talking about that? Maybe maybe I should be a journalist, I don't know. Ah, Who's going to win? As we finish off, guys, who's going to win? I think the Dogs will win. I I just think they've got a really settled team, a lot of run. Um, It's a ground that I think will suit them. I think Melbourne will
1: win. I'm going to back the Dogs here. Um, like I, I just have been really impressed with their performances this season, and you know, so-called going into this final as an underdog, uh, I think it suits them perfectly. So for me, dogs. Well, you're the uh, you're the deciding vote there, John. Didn't you both
0: tip the dogs? No, yes, we I have. A, no, I tip the Melbourne. I tipped. Melbourne. You, said foot, you
2: said no? You said the bulls. You said man. dogs, mate. You said dogs. Oh.
0: No, I, no, I, I definitely, definitely... Because of their run. I definitely... Run. I No, I meant Melbourne. I'm sorry, boys, if I said the Western Bulldogs. I actually think Melbourne will win this. I just think they're too settled. I don't know why I said the Bulldogs. So it's one all. It's Melbourne and Dogs, right. and you can decide it off there, John.
2: Okay, well, then I will. Thank you. I'm going to take Melbourne to win it. I think that they've yeah. been the standout team all year. I think they're led really well by their skipper, Max Gorn, who wants it real bad. Um... You know, is a very good player. I think both teams have got very good midfields. It's just something slightly about the fact, you know, I, I do think in these games, and I've been through it with the Lions when we won, we've been through it with the Swans, we've been through it when the Bulldogs did it. Teams that have these massive droughts, it, it, it does mean something extra to them on the day. And this is a massive drought that Melbourne are looking to bring an end to. And, you know, you may never get another look at it, so you've got to go and take it when you can.
0: Oh, so it's going to be... I'm, go I'm to excited. Melbourne. I'm,
2: I'm looking forward to it. It'll be good.
0: And, and look, the first time in many years, it, I wouldn't be upset with whoever won. So it's a very rare grand final. I, I love the c-
2: summary of it. I think this is a really once-in-a-lifetime final. that To have a, a, a final like this with two teams that aren't... that. Are, it's very much not a clash of the titans. No. This is a, this is a team of... You know, two scrub clubs from for quite a long time to see them both in the final find their way there, um, and they both had really good four and five year periods. Yep, Melbourne had a look and couldn't couldn't get over the hump, and Footscray actually won them in, in, as a miracle. And you know, it's going to be
0: fun to watch. I totally agree. I want to finish off with a keep kick cuddle for Pete. Um, songs at, at at football grounds. Okay, so we're what? Sweet Caroline. Could be a baseball one as well. We will rock you and welcome to the jungle.
1: Keep can kick I, cuddle. Can, can I kick two of them? Because two of them are awful. Um, <laughs> I'll very happily keep uh, Sweet Caroline. Uh, like That is an absolute anthem. Dun, dun, dun. Um, and, and I would very, very happily say farewell to the other two because good gosh, uh, welcome to the jungle. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. Um, but I'll tell you what, I will throw one at you here, Paulie, and a keep-kick cuddle for yourself. So, Cricket's DRS system, NRL's the bunker, and then football's VAR.
0: I'm kicking kicking VAR.
1: Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Logical. Yep. See you later.
0: I'm keeping the bunker because they seem to do it pretty quickly. Whether we agree or don't agree, it seems to happen relatively quickly, and I'll, I'll cuddle Cricket's DRS because it was in so many ways a pioneer. So I'll, I'll cuddle the DRS. I will keep the bunker and I will – because at least we know kind of what's going on. And I will kick the current format of our VAR to the curb every day of the week.
2: Pete, We're you done. actually stole the words from my mouth because when I was at the, at the rugby test uh, last week and then watching it again this weekend – I was thinking the exact same question for our show. I'll tell you what, you'd have to go, as the old um, Native American Indian First People statement would be, for four score and many moons of travel to find a worse use of the video than the TMO and rugby test matches. <laughs> it, it's just horrible. And yeah, they, it's pretty bad. And they drag it back like six plays afterwards and they spend eight minutes chatting and trying to convince all the time. One, we want to rub out a try, and two, we want to send someone off. It's never good news when they get
0: together. Well, we'll finish off on a very positive here. Guys, always love having you on. I love the fact we've got different viewpoints. The Wallabies, fantastic. Well done to back up against South Africa. Congratulations there. Pete's off to do some remarkable things. And as are John and I, my remarkable thing is eating. This has been the Love Sport Podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us another episode of the Love Sport Podcast. I am Paul, your host, joined by my co-hosts, Pete and John. Hopefully you had a bit of fun. You can get us on the Love Sport Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Get me at Paul underscore football, John at Lambig Peach, and Pete at Pete Novikowski on Twitter as well. Uh, we'll certainly follow you back, join in the discussions, and have a bit of banter. This is, was, and always will be the Love Sport Podcast.